So we're going to continue our series on the advantage of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples just before he left, it's actually to your advantage that I go away. Because God had a better plan than walking side by side with us. God's ultimate plan was to come and take up residence in these earth suits. That really is amazing. When you think about God loving us so much that he not only gave us the chance to have access to heaven by Jesus dying on the cross, but it also allowed him to come and to live inside of us. That really is amazing. So love to share. And so we kind of have this illustration. Uh, this, I believe, is kind of a picture of a lost person. They have a spirit. They have a soul. They have a body. But their spirit is disconnected with God. The Bible calls it a dead spirit. Not that it's not alive physically, but it's just disconnected from God. And the problem is always the same for all of us. Before we come to know Christ, it's that sin problem. Sin always separates us from God. But when we realize Jesus died for us, he took our sin in his body on that tree. That if we'll ask God to forgive us and to come into our life, I believe the Bible teaches that he comes into our spirit. And somehow, miraculously, our spirit and his spirit become one spirit. We are literally joined together with God. Even though we're on earth with our earth suit, our spirit is 100% connected to God. I love how Jesus prayed there in John chapter 17. He prayed that they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us. I don't know if you ever thought about that or not, but literally he was praying for us to be a part of the Trinity. Isn't that crazy? As the Father is in Jesus, Jesus is in the Father, he said, we want them to be one in us. In the spirit realm, you are 100% already connected to God. Again, that's why the Bible says in Ephesians that we're seated in the heavenlies. Even though we're on earth in our earth suit, our spirit is 100% already connected to God. That's pretty amazing. And so if we were to draw a picture of all the believers on the face of the earth, I just want you to know they're all connected to God in the spirit realm. We really are united together in the spirit. It really is true. Even though we go to different churches, different denominations, doesn't really matter that if we're spirit, if we're a believer and they're a believer, we really are one in the same in the spirit realm. So important to remember. And so I want to begin sharing a little bit today about the soul part of us, that, that part of us that, that has a work in progress. From the moment you get saved, God begins to make us more like Jesus. And I believe that process called sanctification happens in that soulish realm where our thoughts, our emotions, our decision-making, that part of us should be making progress. The Bible says over here on the right side, we have the mind of Christ. One of the great chapters in the Bible on the Holy Spirit is 1 Corinthians 2. And Paul ends that chapter by saying, literally, you have the mind of Christ. And the reason you have the mind of Christ is you have his spirit living inside of you. And the spirit of Christ knows everything about Christ. The Bible says even the deep things of God. So in one way, we have the mind of Christ. But we also have an earthly mind. We have an earthly brain. And the Bible says in James over here on the left, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. What does it mean to be a double-minded person? I'm just going to give you my opinion, all right? I think the Spirit is the mind of Christ. The Spirit is 100% always for God. 
but we also have a mind in this earth suit. And if our mind aligns with the spirit, if we begin to think like God thinks, we're single-minded. And when we begin to think like God thinks, it affects our emotion. We become very relaxed and at peace, and we often make good decisions. But if your mind is caught up in the things of this world, and you begin to think earthly all the time and always stressed out, a person whose mind is always on the things of this earth is going to be very emotionally stressed. Anybody here know anybody that worries a lot? And when you worry a lot, literally, it's going to affect you. You're going to stress out. And so when your mind is not in line with God, and you begin to think about all the craziness going on out here, you literally begin to stress out. And then you'll make poor decisions. So again, your mind is really, really important. So a double-minded person is a person whose mind has the Holy Spirit who's far God, but your mind thinks differently. You're thinking about the things of this world. And again, the Bible says a double-minded person literally is unstable in all their ways. I mean, life is going to be miserable. Even though you're going to make it to heaven because you have Christ in your life, you're not going to enjoy the process very much. So our mind is really, really important. And so one of the bottom lines is, is can God's word be trusted? Can we really trust the spirit of God and the word of God? And I know we would all say, hopefully at church, yes, God's word can be trusted. I want to tell you what God says in the word is more real than what we hear on the six o'clock news. What God says in the word is more real than how you feel. I just want to tell you, when we begin to think like God thinks, all of a sudden you're going to find peace in your life, even though the world is crazy. You're going to find peace and contentment, and you're going to find yourself making positive decisions. And so you remember all the way back from the beginning here on the right, when Satan came in the Garden of Eden, he asked that question, has God really said? Isn't that interesting? The very first temptation was for man to doubt what God had said. And, and I believe Satan comes into our life, this guy, did God really say that? Did God really say you're his child? Did God really say you're an overcomer? Did God really say you have a right standing? And he wants you to doubt what God said to you. I just want to tell you, when we begin to think like God thinks, we trust what God thinks more than how we feel. A couple of verses here, just as a reminder, I think learning to trust God and God's word is one of the basic lessons in the Christian life. Back in the book of Deuteronomy, when the children of Israel had gone through the 40 years in the wilderness, if you remember in chapter 8, as they're kind of reminiscing, God says to the people, I led you all this way these 40 years. Isn't that interesting that God was leading them the whole way in the wilderness? And he says, I allowed you to go hungry. I fed you with manna, which you did not know about, because I wanted you to know that man does not live by bread alone, but man can live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. One of the basic lessons he was trying to teach them in the wilderness is that you can trust my word. Even though everything around you is telling you you're in big trouble, we need to learn to trust God's word. We need to think like God thinks. It literally does affect everything about our life. And then I love the story here in Luke 5. Let me back up a little bit. Sorry, I hit the clicker. In Luke chapter 5, you remember they had fished all night and caught nothing. Now, when I fish all night, I typically don't catch anything. Matter of fact, I have, I've shared before, when we used to go out fishing and i come home, Brenda would have fried chicken ready, all right? She never had the grease ready for fish. We usually didn't catch fish, but they were fishermen. They, they fished all night, had caught nothing, and Jesus, remember, he said to Peter, he said, go out, let your, let, let your nets down for a catch. Now, they had fished all night. 
And Peter reminded him, Lord, we fished all night. But he says, nevertheless, at your word, because you said it, you're asking us to let down the nets at your word, I'm going to obey. Even though they were physically tired, they didn't feel it, they didn't sense it. He said, at your word, I'm going to let down the nets. And they went out, they let down the nets, and the Bible says they got so much, so many fish that the nets were beginning to break. They had a God moment. They began to understand that they could trust what God said to them. I just want to remind you today that you can trust what God says to you more than how you feel, more than what the six o'clock news says. If we can begin to think like God thinks, it literally changes everything in our life. Really, really important. So let's give some brain facts. God made us with about a three-pound brain here, and it really is amazing how much of our life is controlled by how we think. So the brain weighs about three pounds. By the way, they say that a man's brain is a little bit bigger than a lady's brain. The bad news is, they say, it doesn't make any difference. <laughs> it doesn't make any difference. Uh, by the way, I'll go ahead and throw this out. I wasn't going to throw it out. I throw it out in the first service, but I'm just going to kind of jam it in here because we think about a man's brain, a woman's brain. And so a man was out on the beach, found a bottle. Jeannie came out, and Jeannie said, you get three wishes. He said, well, the first wish, I want to be twice as smart as I am. Jeannie said, poof. He was able to speak two languages fluently. He said, what's your second wish? He said, my second wish is I want to be five times smarter than I am. Poof. He was able to speak 12 languages, explain the theory of relativity. I mean, he was brilliant. He said, what's your last wish? He said, I want to be 10 times smarter than I am. The genie said, man, anything else? Let me ask me anything else. He said, no, I want to be 10 times smarter than I am. Poof, he was a woman. All right. <laughs> if you didn't get that, just ask a lady around you. All right, she'll help you. So the brain... One lady in the early service, the only amen I got was a lady in the early service. But anyway, the brain uses about 20% of the oxygen that our body takes in. It's about 73% water. That's why they tell you to drink a lot of water to restore that, which I fall short of. The brain contains about 86 billion cells, reaches full maturity at age 25. After the age of 34, we lose 7,000 brain cells every day. That explains a lot with me, all right, right there. All right, so I, I, I got to, it's a lot of brain cells I've lost in the last 30 years or so. Number seven, we have about 6,000 thoughts a day. I don't know how they measure that, but you can think four times faster than I can talk. That's why when I'm preaching, you're thinking about something that happened last week, thinking about where you're going to have lunch today. How many of you know it's hard to be a good listener? I mean, I think preachers need to be prepared, but I just want to tell you, the hardest part in a sermon is you learning to listen and keep your mind focused. It's really hard because you can be distracted. And so, and sometimes there's a reason you're distracted because the preacher's boring, amen? But anyway, and so the Bible says God knows our every thought. Isn't that crazy? As much as we think, God knows every thought. That's why when Jesus walked this earth, if you remember, sometimes he would go in. The Bible says he knew their thoughts. He responded to their thoughts. Isn't that kind of interesting? Wouldn't it be kind of fun some Sunday if our thoughts came over the PA system? That'd be scary. Be really scary. But it'd be kind of fun. So God hears our thoughts. He knows every thought that we have. That's why our thought life 
is so important. Again, you tell me what you think about, and I'll tell you if you're enjoying the journey or not. You know, if you're thinking on negative stuff, you're going to be a negative person, and you're going to really, it's going to affect every aspect of your life. Now, a nutritionist would tell us we are what we eat, all right? And there is some truth to that. How many of you know it's important what you put in your body? It is very important. And again, I didn't learn that very well, but uh, it is important what you put in your body. And so the Bible even says when you sit down to eat, consider carefully what is put before you. Put a knife to your throat if you are a man given to appetite. That's pretty serious. So, so the Bible lists gluttony right along with murder. Now, I don't take it that serious, but God takes it serious. And again, I'm just being honest. You know what, why Baptist preachers don't talk a lot about gluttony? We struggle with it. I'm just being honest. I mean, gluttony's always been a struggle. All right? But so by, obviously, what you eat does affect how you feel. And again, you may have a perfect appetite. I have a great diet plan, by the way. I just haven't implemented it yet. How many of you have a good plan? You just have a hard time. I mean, one, the two hardest things to control is my diet and my exercise. I have a lot of great plans. I, I just I can't implement. So a, ther a physical therapist would say you are what you exercise. And again, exercise is important. It releases those endorphins. It gets you. How many know you feel better when you exercise? You just really do. But again, we have to be trained to do that. The Bible says bodily exercise profits little. It does profit, but it profits little. But godliness is profitable for all things. And so again, we need to learn that what we eat affects us. Whether we exercise, that affects us as well. A sociologist would say you are who you associate with. And there is some truth to that, all right? So the Bible says in Proverbs, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So it does make a difference who you hang out with. Who you hang out with affects your life, affects your direction of life. And I wasn't the best example when I was younger, okay? I was that kid you didn't want your kid to hang around with, all right? So I went to church all the time, but I also did everything that everybody in the world did. And so I wasn't always the best example. And so again, who we associate with does make a difference. Psychologists tell us, as we're waiting for my clicker to kick in here, a psychologist would say, you are what you think. And again, your mind does determine a lot about your life. And the Bible echoes that in the book of Proverbs when it says, as he thinks in his heart, so he is. I just want to tell you, inside of your mind is a movie theater. God created us to think in pictures. God created us to think in movies, in visuals. Let me give you an example. Everybody close your eyes for just a minute, if they're not already closed. Close your eyes for just a minute. I want to just say something. I want you to see what comes to mind. Bush Stadium. All right, look this way. What came to mind when I said Bush Stadium, other than the terrible loss last night? What came to mind? All right, you may have a, a vision of a full stadium. You may have a picture outside the stadium, inside the stadium. All of us see a picture. Now, somebody in the middle service totally ruined it and said, I saw the word Bush Stadium. But most people don't see the word Bush Stadium. They see a picture. Because God created you to think in pictures. And I want to ask you, what's showing in the theater of your mind when you lie down at night? If your mind is on garbage, I just want to tell you, you're going to wake up thinking about garbage. And it's going to affect your life. What's showing in the theater of your life? And so again, I believe God created us to have kind of a motion picture. That's why often in the Old Testament, the prophets would act things out. Why would he have them act things out? 
Because people will remember a visual a lot longer than they will remember some set. So visuals are very, very important, all right? We think in pictures, all right, which we just said. And so how many of you have ever gone down the road and seen a big billboard with the sign, the words, Big Mac? No, you don't see that. Why? Because they know that we're not turned on by seeing the word Big Mac. When you go down the road, if they're trying to sell you a Big Mac, it's going to look something like this. It's bigger than the billboard. Have you ever seen something bigger? It goes down the bit. And how many of you know when you're driving down the road and you see that Big Mac, you haven't been thinking about a Big Mac for a long time, all of a sudden you want one. Last night, I almost went to McDonald's last night when I put this up. I was just hungry for one. I haven't had a Big Mac in a while, but I was hungry for one when I saw it. I mean, you know, they make those things look amazing. I get them, and I can't even find the beef. But in here, it looks good. It looks big. But they, they get you. I guarantee you, somebody's going to go to McDonald's today and get a Big Mac. Because they know that if they can get you to see it, you'll want it. That's why when they're collecting money for, for, for starving children overseas, they don't just say that. They show you pictures. Because they know that your heart will connect with what you see. God created us to think in pictures. Really, really important. And how many of you know men and women think differently? All right? So men are pretty simple. They say men can only think of one thing, one time. Everything's compartmentalized. We can only think about one thing. That's all we want to talk about is that one thing. But God created women to think differently. All right? So women think everything's connected. Everything's connected. That's why you can be in a discussion with a woman. She's bringing up something last week, two years ago that happened, and we're not talking about that. We're talking about this compartment. Everything's connected for a lady. Boy, it's really quiet. I'm glad God created us different, by the way. By the way, I always root for the husband, but I do bet on the wife. All right, I just want to tell you that. Amen. Husband's ahead of the house. Wife is the neck that turns him. Amen. So it always works that way. So our, our thought life, our thought process does affect our life. And again, we don't want to be a double-minded person. We don't want to think against what God says. We want to begin to agree with what God says in his word, what the Holy Spirit says. Because again, the Holy Spirit is 100% always for God. And when we begin to think like the Holy Spirit, we become a single-minded person. And then all of a sudden, we begin to relax in life. We're not stressed out because we know God's in control. And then we make better decisions, all right? Really, really important. So a very familiar quote, Ralph Waldo Emerson said, You sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, and you reap a destiny. Literally, your thought life does determine the direction of your life. Now, I believe every single Christian is going to make it to heaven. Some are just going to enjoy the journey, and some are going to be miserable. But we're all going to make it, all right? And so what happens is our thought life develops ruts. Chances are, if you're a negative person, you go to bed thinking negative things. You wake up in the middle of the night, you're thinking negative things. You get up in the morning you just get in that rut. When I was young, um, I used to go down to my grandpa, lived down in Benton, Missouri, had a several hundred acre farm, and he let me drive his tractor, which I, I look back, I wasn't really driving. But he'd get on the dirt road going out to the field. He had driven over it so much, it developed ruts. And so once the tractor got in the ruts, I could not get it out of the So I, I stood there pretending like I was driving. 
but I just went where the ruts went. I want to tell you this, that your thought pattern develops ruts. If your thought pattern is negative and of the things of this world, it is hard to get out of that rut. But if we're going to walk in the Spirit, we got to learn to begin to think like God thinks. we got to learn to believe that what God has said is more real than how I feel. And we need to begin again to develop those ruts where we're thinking like God thinks. So if you go to bed thinking like God thinks, you're going to wake up thinking like God thinks, and you're going to begin to relax and enjoy this crazy journey of life. You know, it's interesting, back in the book of Genesis, when God got, finally had to destroy the world, can I tell you, one of the problems back in that day is, was their thought life. They had developed such negative ruts that God knew that he had to destroy the world. Listen to what it says in Genesis 6, 5. The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness on the earth. He saw that everything they thought or imagined was consistently and totally evil. They had developed such ruts that literally every thought was negative. So again, your thought life does affect your life. And again, it's, pastors struggle as much as anyone. I just want to tell you, I struggle. I find myself sometimes being negative instead of being positive. Brenda and I went to Costco, I don't know, it was this week or last week. But anyway, we, we decided to get gas because gas is 25, 30 cents cheaper. And so we were in line. How many of you know all the crazy people get in line at Costco? All right. But anyway, so we were in line. We were almost to the, the pump. And then one of the pumps that were right in front of us quit working. Matter of fact, the guy that was ahead of the guy here, he couldn't get gas. So the guy came back and said, when this guy right in front of you gets done, I'm going to back this guy up so he can get gas first. And I found myself being a little negative. It was squeaking out. I was squeezed. Found myself being a little negative. And I look over at Brenda and Brenda says, why would you complain? You just get to spend more time with me. I said, honey, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Boy, the Holy Spirit speaks so strong through her. It's just so strong. I just want to tell you, I struggle. I find myself complaining, grumbling. And the children of Israel, one of their big problems in the Old Testament, they always grumbled a lot. And I at least understand why, because I find myself doing that. I'm just telling you, what we're talking about is a process. It's learning to train your mind to think like God thinks and to believe that what God said is more real than your, what you feel or what you're going through. It really is a process. And if you're around, how many of you ever been around negative people? I mean, negative people bring everybody down around them. But in the same way, positive people are encouraging. You want to be around those positive people, all right? So we're talking about the spirit mind and the flesh mind and how they kind of battle. Every day we get up, we either walk in the spirit, if our mind thinks that way, or we walk after the flesh, if that's where our mind is. Every day, you only have two choices. You're either going to think like God thinks and walk in the spirit, or you're going to think contrary to God and just kind of get all caught up in what's going on out here and literally be stressed out. There's only two ways every day you can set your mind. And so the Bible says, again, we have the mind of the Spirit. We have our earthly mind as well. That's why in Colossians, Paul says this, set your mind on things above. You literally have to set your mind on the things of God. I think by the will, we have to choose to be positive. So set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, because he says your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
But every day, you got to set your mind on things above. You, it's hard to get out of those ruts of negativity, but you can. You got to set your mind on things above. And then it goes on in Philippians 4 to say, if there's anything praiseworthy, think on these things. Learn to focus your mind on what is true and what is right and what is just. Begin to think like God thinks. I'm just telling you, it's not easy. It's a process. We need to learn to train our mind. A very familiar verse, Romans 12, 2 says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. How? By the renewing of the mind. Your mind, you tell me what you think about, and I'm going to tell you whether or not you're enjoying this journey. If your mind is all stressed out on all the negativity, you're going to be a miserable person. You're still going to make it to heaven if you're a Christian. You're just not going to enjoy it. Wouldn't God want us to enjoy it and believe that what he says is true? So very, very important. Romans 8, again, Paul kind of deals with these, these struggle going on between the mind of the spirit, the mind of the flesh. He says in Romans 8, let's just read it together. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so that those that are in the flesh cannot please God. I just want to say, how important is it for us to think like God thinks? Paul says that if we choose to think with a carnal mind, and by the way, the word carnal, let me just give you a definition, is the Greek word sarks. And it really doesn't mean uh, chasing women and getting drunk. I mean, that would be carnal things. But literally, it just means that your mind is consumed with the stuff of this world. You're so consumed with what's going on out here that your mind thinks differently than God thinks. And so the word means pertaining to the flesh, human nature, temporal, sensual. Uh, one definition was animal instinct. So when you have a carnal mind, it just means you're so consumed with everything out here you forget what God is saying. And it really is. It says those that have a carnal mind cannot please God. It's impossible to please God unless your mind is thinking like God thinks. That's why it's so really, really important. By the way, how many of you have ever had chili con carne? It really is just chili with meat. Same word. And again, when you hear about a carnal mind, it just means your flesh. You're so wrapped up in your earth suit and all the craziness of this life that you miss what God is saying and what is true. By the way, I do want to say that somebody after the 8 o'clock service invited me over for chili today. <laughs> so it helps to show pictures. Helps to show pictures. So chili can call just, just chili with meat. A great verse to memorize. If you're looking for something to memorize, this would be a great one right here. All right? Isaiah 26.3. Let's just read it together. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Because he trusts you. He will keep him in perfect peace. How important is it to have your mind on the things of God? Isaiah says, if you think like God thinks, you will be in perfect peace. Do you know anybody that could use some perfect peace in this world that we live in? I want to tell you, Christians are so stressed. And by the way, pastors are as guilty as anybody. I don't care what they sound like in the pulpit. I have the chance to hang around pastors. I'm just telling you, pastors get stressed. Pastors get negative. I'm just here to tell you, we live in a world that literally it takes by our will to start thinking like God thinks. It does affect everything in your life. 
I love this promise. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you because he trusts you. You begin to believe that what God says is more real than what you feel or what other people are saying. You say, is every thought really that important? I mean, if we have that many thoughts, is it really that important? Listen to what Paul says to the church at Corinth. He says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. It's so important that your thought life, you got to really take every thought captive and ask yourself, is that from God or is that from the other side? And Satan, that rascal, let me just tell you, Satan, when he comes, he never says, hey, this is Satan, I want to give you a thought. Never does. He always comes, and this is in Romans 7, I don't have time to get into it, but he always comes in the first person and he spits a thought into my mind, making me believe it's my thought. And he'll spit a thought into my mind saying, man, I'm, I'm just a loser. Man, I'm just a phony. And I hear people say, man, I, I just have nothing to live for in life. I, 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 I. That's the thought Satan spits in your mind. It almost makes it believe it's your thought. I'm going to tell you, that's not God. That's not how God sees you. And so we're going to close by just doing a confession. You know, Revelation 12 says, They overcame the devil by the blood of Jesus, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. One of the ways we overcome the devil is when we began to confess what God says is true. That's the word of our testimony, when we agree with what God says, all right? So I want you all to stand, and I think these are in your notes, but we're just going to confess what the Bible says about you. And I've got to be really honest with you, I don't always go to bed thinking like that. I don't always wake up feeling like what God says is true. But again, let me ask you, if God says it's true, is it true? It's true whether I feel it or not. But the more I confess it, the more I can believe it. So I just want to encourage you to confess what God says about you. God loves you so much. God's love for you is unconditional. Yeah, you got problems. You, you, you're a work in progress. But he loves you. I had a nurse come by from uh, insurance they sent a nurse to the house i guess to make sure i wasn't faking anything so they came, kind of gave me a physical at home and, and got to talking with her got to sharing with her she lived about two hours away she told me her and her, her family were really involved in church she was really an amazing young lady and so as we went through all that process and you know this and that and the other she checked me from head to toe I had a cap on, so I think she thought I was hiding something. So she made me take out, and she began to feel my head. I guess people hide something under their head. I don't know. She said, I, I don't find anything. But after we got done, after we got done, I said to her, I kind of developed a little relationship in about an hour. I said, Nikia, is there anything I can pray for you about? Let me pray for you before you leave. And she said to me, with almost just a little bit of a tremble in her voice, she said, would you pray that I can get to where I need to be? I'm looking forward to that, that next season of life. And I thought to her myself, and I said to her, I looked her in the eye and I said, have you ever thought that maybe you're right where God wants you to be right now? Yeah, there's going to be another season. But I said to her, you know, you coming today has meant a lot to me. And I believe you're right where you need to be. Yeah, you're a work in progress. You're going to, 
But have you all ever thought about that right now, this day, you're exactly where God knew you were going to be, and he loves you right where you are? Isn't it amazing how we always want to be somewhere else? I just want to tell you, if you can receive every day that you're right where God wants you to be, yeah, you got, you got things you're working on. You will next week too. But why not enjoy today? And I had the privilege of praying for her. And I was just going to pray for her. She held out her hands. I, I usually don't hold the hand. But I held the hand and I prayed for her. I said, I, I hope that you receive that God loves you right now. And that you're right where God wants you to be. And with tears in her eyes, she left. I just want to tell you guys, you're right where God wants you to be. God loves you so much. I don't know how God could come and, and live in this earth suit because I'm such a mess. But here's how God sees us. This is what the Bible says. And I put it all in first person. And I, I hope before you go to bed tonight, you kind of confess this to yourself. But let's read together. We're not going to read the scripture that's underlined. We're just going to read the part on the right there. And so we're just going to go through. And this is a, a, our testimony. This is what God says about us. And whether we feel it or not, it's true. All right. So let's read together. You join me. Let's just make a confession here to God. I am God's child. I am a friend of Jesus. I have been justified. I am united with the Lord. I am one with him in spirit. I have been bought with a price and I belong to God. I am a member of Christ's body. I have been chosen by God and adopted as his child. I have been redeemed and forgiven of all my sins. I am complete in Christ. I have direct access to God's presence through Jesus Christ. I have every spiritual blessing in Christ. I am free from all condemnation. I am assured that God works for my good in all circumstances. I am free from any condemnation brought against me, and I cannot be separated from the love of God. I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God. I am hidden with Christ in God. I am confident that God will complete the good work he started in me. I am a citizen of heaven. God does not remember my sins. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. I am born of God, and the evil one cannot touch me. I am a totally new creation. I have God's righteousness. I am an heir of God. I can do all things through Christ. I am part of a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I am an overcomer. I want to tell you, if you're a born-again believer, you are an overcomer. You are going to make it to heaven. And again, why not enjoy the process? Why not believe that God has everything under control through the craziness of this life? God loves you. Wouldn't it be amazing if we all went out of here today being single-minded, that our mind lined up with the Holy Spirit and that we were literally believing that what God said is true. Let's pray. Maybe you're here today and, and maybe you're just not sure that you've ever made that commitment to Christ. I can't imagine anybody walking out of here today without knowing that you know that you know that you know Jesus. If you feel like that your sin has separated you from God and you've never truly invited Christ into your life, right where you are can be the greatest 
place of your life. Today, you could make the biggest decision of your life by confessing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin and asking him to forgive you and to come into your life as Lord and Savior. I believe his spirit will come into your spirit and you will forever be a part of the family of God. If you feel God tugging at your heart this morning, right where you are, I just want you to invite Jesus into your life. If you're here this morning as a believer, if we could just be really transparent and honest, most of us have some stinking thinking. Would you begin to pray and ask God and begin to confess that what God says is true? What a difference we could make in the world if we could begin to believe that our God is still on his throne. That God has everything under control. Would you just pray for that person next to you and just pray that the Holy Spirit would just fill their life? Would you just surrender your thought life to God? And again, not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Love you guys. We're going to pray. If anybody does need to talk, I'm going to be at the back. I would love to spend time talking with you. If you this morning prayed to receive Christ for the very first time, I want to encourage you to tell a couple people on your way out and just grab me and say, hey, I prayed that prayer this morning. I'm kind of excited about this week. Because I have a feeling the news is going to get worse and worse. But God never changes. May God use us to be a testimony of his grace. Let's pray. And we want to close out with a song. Father, I thank you for my brothers and sisters who are here. And God, you know more than anyone how much I need to make application to what I talked about today. Father, just help us to, to set our mind on things above. Help us to begin to think like you think and to begin to believe that your Bible is true. And God, may we begin to confess every day who, you, how, who we are in Christ and how you see us. So fill us with your spirit, and I pray that that river of living water would just spill out everywhere we go this week. God, help us to equip our mind to affect our life forever. In Jesus' name, amen.